Some of the mix-ups, change-ups, and interesting things going on in the NFL. I mean, there's some things uh, happening. We're going to be talking more sports, and then we'll give you a little inside look as to what is going on in the Sportsman Show. Had some great interviews yesterday uh, talking fishing, hunting, looking forward to duck hunting. Actually, I have never gone duck hunting, ever. Have you, have you guys? I have not been duck hunting. I have not. No? Okay. Uh, Josh, you haven't been done. Chinese grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give me just a second. I'm kind of shaking things up a little bit here uh, so that our audience can see you guys. So there we go. We're shaking things up. I am shaking things up. Today, uh, Sports Time Out, we have with us, let me introduce you to our guys joining us today as we talk sports. We have author, photographer, and all-around cool guy, Brent Baker. He is the author of Breaking Yesterday, which has nothing to do with sports, but it's a spectacular uh, sci-fi book. Is there is there some is there actually yes I stand corrected uh, as as you're baseball. reading yeah. <laughs> you're right as you're reading breaking yesterday you can see some of the sports reporter come out because there's some little technical things thrown in uh, about sports so it's pretty awesome we have with us Garrick Payne he is a, a player a coach He's chaplain. A and all-around cool guy, Garrick Payne. We have with us our sports authority, Joshua McMillan, who joins us as well. And we are taking it on today. Um, we'll be taking an offering to see if we can get him a webcam. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, because because we're broadcasting live, uh, I'm just checking things out. I, I'm kind of a one-man show today, believe it or not. And that means uh, I have to re- rely on remote people letting me know everything is good, bad, or otherwise. So, uh, guys, hey, thanks for joining us today for Sports Time Out. There's a lot on the table to talk about. Josh, you're a little late joining us, but I'm glad you're here today. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's a, it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, I want to get right to uh, the Super Bowl. So we have Super Bowl 56 right around the corner, day before Valentine's Day. Um, you know, I don't have any skin in the game, but suddenly I, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, just this week on the 1st, um, Garrick, maybe you're a little more tied into the Chinese community. What is it the year of this year? It's just the year of the tiger. What? Uh, mm. Yeah, the, the tiger. So the year so this the is I double got a, a Bengal year. <laughs> yeah, so it's the year of the tiger. And as I said, I don't have any skin in the game. My team didn't make it. Uh, but I have been following the Bengals, and it's been pretty exciting. Um, so that's going to be my pick for the Super Bowl. But let's talk about getting there. Here we are. Um, Rams are 12-5-0. and Bengals are 10-7-0. And, and, and uh, we're coming to this matchup. 
and and what nine days and i'm i'm kind of excited actually it's it's been a change up we're not seeing the usual cast of characters in a super bowl josh yeah uh i'm okay with that though i'm really excited for cincy i'm excited for joe burrow uh, and for this to go down and i think that we can all agree that in the Seattle area here, uh, we're all rooting for Cincinnati. <laughs> I did, you know, I'll say this though, watching, watching the games, watching San Francisco and LA, it was really hard to start. Cause I'm like, I don't know who I, who, like I said Just before, like, like I, more. Yeah. 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 Right. Like I, I said, I was going to root against the 49ers because of uh, the whole Jim Garcia debacle and his uh, apparent feud with Mina Kimes. But, uh, you know, watching the game, I just kind of, I was like, yeah, you know what? I actually do prefer the Rams. And, you're, you know, as Brent huh. pointed out, there's some good storylines with that team. Um, so I hate them a little less. Than, than I, I think <laughs> I like the players. I mean, you know, like Cooper Cup being a, a local product. And I, I like a lot of the players hate the team. But, I, I man, Cincinnati is exciting this year. And I we've seen them beat a team already that is very similar to the LA Rams in beating Tennessee, the number one seed over in the AFC. They're a team that's built on their defense, built on the run game and has kind of a, a, a second tier quarterback. I mean, that's not bad, right? Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, they're not bad quarterbacks, but they're not in the elite. You know, they're not, they probably wouldn't put them in the top 10, certainly not the top five of quarterbacks. So they're very similar teams. And I think that it's going to make for um, a much closer game than a lot of other analysts are thinking it will be. Yeah, so, I see no reason why it won't be. I see no reason why it won't be a close game. I mean, things, obviously things can happen, but um, you know, Cincinnati really has not been looked at as a favorite in any of their playoff games. And yet they keep on going out of the road. You know, they go on the road and beat the number one seed. They go on the road and beat, you know, the team that kind of has designs on a dynasty in Kansas city and um, pretty much shut Patrick Mahomes down in the entire second half of that oh game. My gosh, yeah. So, so that's it. You know, that name, you may not know the names on Cincinnati's defense, that but was they're, they're, they're legit. Yeah. Um, well, did well, anyone know who Richard Sherman was when he first came on the scene? You know, did anyone <laughs> know Earl no, Paul, yeah. Kim that's, Chancellor? That's, that's a good point. I think you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing these guys come into their own, um, the, the thing, I mean, Joe Burrow, obviously, quite a talent um, and, and a, quite a leader. But I think one thing that might be the difference is, well, the difference in that it, it's something that equals what L.A. has. L.A. has this, this insane chemistry between Stafford and Cooper Cup. And I don't think we can undersell the fact that Jamar Chase um, not only an outstanding talented receiver with insane speed, but a college teammate of Burroughs at LSU when they won the national championship. And I think he did him this year. Um, but those are special, Gary. So, yeah, I know who I, I, I think don't feel like they're a better team on paper, but since he's kind of got that for something going right now, so kind of, they're going to pull this one and team that nobody saw coming to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, yeah. I, I, Go I, ahead, Gary. I think you're absolutely right, Brent, that, that the Rams pencil out as a better team, but I, I'm right there with you. And the fact that they have been playing in, in the other team's home field, and even though it's the Super Bowl neutral location, it is the Rams' home field. 
Um, I actually had the opportunity to be down there at the uh, new SoFi Stadium, and it is an incredible venue. And it's going to be buzzing for that game. And it will be a Rams crowd, but I, I definitely think that it's it's going to be. Uh, you know, that. yes, it will. However, I, yeah, okay. Watching the 49ers and the Rams, I was like, yeah, I don't really care. Uh, but you know, whatever, I was much more interested in the in the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. And I think there's a lot of folks who are behind that. We love an underdog. There's a cool story there. You know, people who uh, were counted out, people who were overlooked, and the Bengals are that team. So I think there's going to be not only a lot of folks who, uh, of course, it's a local team. You, yeah, I get your point, Garrick. But I think we're going to see a heck of a lot of orange in the crowd, but that's just my prediction. No, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it, it is. The Rams, the Rams don't even get fans, you know, selling that place <laughs> out for their own, for their own game. I mean, LA, LA is not fan central. Okay. Yeah. It's not like Boston. It's not like Chicago where people live and die with their teams, regardless of whether they're 15 and two or one and 16, the Rams, yeah. if they're losing, they don't have fans. So LA is a great, LA is a great, um, a great place to have an event like the Super Bowl. I don't think it's a great spot for home field advantage, whether you're playing a regular game or you're playing a Super Bowl. I think the crowd will be a Super Bowl crowd, which will be a, pe- a lot of people with a there lot of money go. from all over, yeah. all over the country. <laughs> That's so, very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be the people with a lot of money because those tickets are bank yeah. people. Uh, bank, yeah. are you kidding me? You know, and it's such a big deal. Did you know that uh, in Cincinnati, they're calling off school on Super Bowl Monday? So, so <laughs> it's one of the biggest about. days That's that people... That's how it should be in life anyway. I, I just think it should be a national holiday. <laughs> it's our premiere. It's our premier secular holiday, so it is. It, it yeah. is. It is. Right. It is the number Get one the day for people. The, pizza, boys. <laughs> <laughs> the day that people take off of, of work more than any other, you know, as a, as a whole, is the day after the Super Bowl. And there has been a movement, even a petition, to move it to Super Bowl Saturday. But come on, I don't know, Pastor. What do you think? Well, <laughs> and people are not going to go to church. Come on. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing about the Super Bowl. It's is that never during church time because there's always NFL games during church time. But, but they put it in the afternoon. And so I, I – do, do you preach quick that day? <laughs> I never preach quick. <laughs> no, but, but I think, you know, it, it – if they moved it to a Saturday, people would whine for a year or maybe two, but I think people would get used to it. And I, I don't know, but there's something about Super Bowl Sunday just because right. our whole lives, it's been Super Bowl Sunday. So, yeah. Anyone out there listening at the Sportsman Show like an idea of a Super Bowl Saturday? Womp, womp, womp. Okay, there you go. Right there. There it is. So uh, your picks. Um, and we're going to be talking about this, of course, more next week. Uh, we'll make it our Super Bowl special. But your guys' picks for the Super Bowl, what say you, Brent Baker? Uh, I mean, they go Cincinnati's rookie kicker, nailing one at the, nailing one at the gun. Ooh. Man of faith there. He's a man of faith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Garrick. Um, you know, I – 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bengals just because the, the way that they've been playing and and they're 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 riding a bit of a wave I think yeah and I think they can probably carry that in as as Brent pointed out earlier uh, they the way that they played against Tennessee the way they played you know last week against the the um, the, the Chiefs, yeah, I, I, I really, I think there's a, they've, they've got a very good chance. All right, yeah, and Josh, I like to be the contrarian, but not today. Yeah, uh, don't do it. Don't do I'm it. I'm gonna go for the Bengals, <laughs> and you know, one of the big reasons is Joe Burrow. I mean, this is effectively his rookie season, out most of the year last year with injury, but man, he's been an assassin. He is just like he's gone into the pocket with confidence he's not been making big mistakes and okay. I think that's the difference I mean if the Rams want to win this game they got to have a big running game and they have to have a big day running the game because Matthew Stafford if you give him if you make him throw too many times he's going to make the mistakes he almost lost the game for them uh last week I mean you guys remember that the dropped interception that that poor man that poor poor Tart will never forget for the rest of his life. He's gonna have nightmares about that dropped interception that hit him in the chest, man, wide open. Right. Uh, but there was a couple things times like that where you thought Matt Stafford was gonna give the game away. And again, like he's not a bad quarterback, but unless you're like that top level elite, you know, you're you're gonna give people those opportunities and you wanna protect them. The same with Ryan Tannehill, why they you know, they can beat him if they can stop the run and make him throw more they can beat them. So if the Bengals can stick to that formula, I think they have a really good chance here. And I think Joe Burrow is really emerging to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. Like it, Josh. Thank you for that analysis. I am looking forward to the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things happening. Can you in give us your pick, Michelle? What's that? Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Well, because she's an L.A. fan now, and she doesn't <laughs> want to tell us. <laughs> oh, come on you know i'm riding the orange wave all the way come on you know okay. I, I, I already orange in my yeah my outfit, i have to so so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh guys um tom brady retired done uh mark Staples, he? watching he uh, tom brady in another super bowl thank you very much i got to get your guys uh reactions to that and in fact, that kind of opens up the field a, a little bit as we're uh, we're looking at all stars and and all of uh, uh, some of the future that I know you guys are going to weigh in on. So let's talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this a little bit last week. What does the NFC look like next year? Right. You know, like where are we well, at? And Aaron like, Rodgers uh, was he was it Tennessee? I have to remember where he's where they. I think Denver's been looking. He has, but he's he bought land. Oh, in, land in Nashville. Yeah, in Nashville. <laughs> that's right. So um, that's a good investment. You're like what? Yeah. You a country music fan. Well, yeah. see, you can well, kind of follow. I, I was talking about the the team, otherwise known as football, that in Washington that used to. Be, oh. you know, the, now they're the Capitals, and we kind of commanders. knew. Be, you, you the could commanders. Look at, commanders. Thank you, yeah. commanders. No. My my bad. The salamanders. The, yeah. You could. You knew that because they purchased all of the commanders uh, URLs and things. So that's how that was leaked. And so I'm wondering, do we have the same insight looking at, well, I'm going to sell my property here. I'm going to buy over here. Aaron Rodgers, uh, that's a big change. Uh, Tom Brady. And like you said, Josh, what's it going to look like? 
Yeah, I I don't know that it's going to look good for most of the teams out there. And again, like Sean Payton retiring, Tom Brady going away, uh, Garoppolo probably not with the 49ers next year. And you think they're going to probably give Trey a chance, but wasn't super encouraged by what I saw from him in his limited playing time. Um, I mean, the Rams are going to still have Matthew Stafford, but they're going to be on the decline. The Rams, this is their peak. This is their time to hit the Super Bowl because they've traded away like a decade's worth of freaking picks to get here. So there's just, you know, Kyler Murray, which you have questions about. No one knows. There's just all throughout the NFC, it's pretty wide open for uh, a retooled Seahawks team that honestly don't need that much fixing. You know, there's only a couple little tweaks, and we can talk about that later, but there's not much there. I think it's wide open for the Seahawks to dominate this thing. Is that wishful thinking? Because you're a Mariners fan, and so if you're a Mariners Uh, fan from the Seattle area, there's a whole heck of a lot of wishful thinking there, guys. (laughs) Sorry, Josh, I'm just saying. Hey, I want I, I to put one theory out there at the Aaron Rodgers thing, because we saw just a few weeks ago how he has like con- totally been trolling people in some of these interviews. Um, for example, he put, um, uh, well, he has these bookshelves behind him that you can see when he's on YouTube. And every now and then he changes books and puts them up there just to get people like talking about what books he has on there. And he like totally set off the world by putting uh, Ayn Rand's, uh, Atlas shrugged up on the shelf, and everybody, everybody was weighing. Everybody's like, "Oh, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan now." Oh no, the guy's garbage. I hate him because he has. He's been reading that book. He's like, he's never, he's never read the book. He just put it up there for that to happen. Yeah. So, did you guys hear that? Want, just, to, so, just give a little clarity. That's an Ayn Rand book that he said he he read. Ayn Rand tends to be a libertarian, right? And he just yes. did it to kind of shake things up a little bit. He Joe Rogan them, you know. He's just I, I'm I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just talking about it. And you know, uh, conservatives now he's become their darling. Uh, liberals now he must be canceled. It's just more of the same craziness out there. And, uh, you know, so my, my, why I bring that up is I'm going to say that this purchase of property in Tennessee is a troll. <laughs> I think, <Okay. laughs> I, think he, he, I think he can afford to do something like that, right? Yeah. So why not buy something like that and get the rumor bill going and then end up in Chicago or something? I'm, I'm right with you, Brent. I don't think he'll ever end up in Chicago. But. You won't end up in Chicago. Well, and, and you were saying, uh, we were talking yeah. about uh, Denver looking at Rogers yeah. and Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to bring some of my team along with me. So it's, <laughs> that's where it's, it's cray cray. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I think it, it just, for me, it's entertainment, and I, I really enjoy watching it, and um, it, it's kind of fun for some people because it is um, it, it's their team, right? There's a lot more invested in it, and and we I kind of felt the same way when there was talk about Russell Wilson moving and all that, and and I'm I'm with Josh. I think the Seahawks are retooling and. And I think that they will have a very good year next year. Um, I I concur, and I'll look forward to that. But uh, some of this behind-the-scenes stuff, it is both interesting, but, you know, you don't you kind of feel like you're just sitting around, uh, like sitting on the couch eating bonbons, watching a soap opera yeah, we call yeah. the, the off-season <laughs> NFL? Get some popcorn, yeah. <laughs> some popcorn. Oh, and you know what? 
kettle corn. You got you come to oh, these yeah. things at the Washington Sportsman Show. You got to get kettle corn. All right, oh, yeah. here's another big story that we have got to really sparse through, and that is a former uh, Miami Dolphins co- coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL because of race racism, racial discrimination, um, and this is a big one to unload and try to dissect guys because the NFL has these protocols in place that you have to interview so many people with this color skin, um, which I've always thought was stupid. Sports is the one place where you see race doesn't matter because you just want to win. So why does it matter with coaches? Does it matter with coaches? And is this a natural result of having this kind of affirmative action in in the interview process. I mean, this is a lot to unload. Uh, Belichick is in this mix deep. You can't get him out of a good controversy. So, boys, uh, let's take this on. Brent, I want to start with you. So, yeah, there's a a whole lot to this picture. You know, you said that uh, sports is, is, you know, with saying sports is a meritocracy where all they want to do is win. Well, part of this lawsuit actually addresses the fact that apparently not all of these owners really want to win that badly all the time because specifically in the lawsuit, he talks about how he was told to lose games to improve Miami's draft position. Um, And then we have Hugh Jackson coming out of the woodwork who I don't think really belongs to the same conversation because I thought he was a terrible coach no matter what coach, what color of skin he was, but they, he's saying that Cleveland was incentivizing him to lose and like offering him bonuses to lose when he was there. I think with, with the Flores thing, you know, when he got fired, there were rumors that he was hard to work with and that okay. maybe that was the case. But at the same time, if you've got your ownership telling you to lose games and you know that your livelihood depends on you winning games. Yeah. I'd be hard to work with too. Um, I think the timing of this okay. also, um, the NFL uh, has some really terrible optics going on right now as well. There have been eight uh, NFL head coaching positions this offseason that have been filled so far, and all of them have gone to white guys. And I'm not. And that's bad for thinking, optics, but. Um, I'm not saying. So I, you can't speak to any individual situation. <laughs> no, you can't. And I'm not but, saying that there isn't, you know, here and but, there. The, it's just it, that we're in an age where we call out and cry out systemic racism everywhere we see so it's as though you cry wolf enough you don't you can't tell the difference between a, a, a real wolf when he's mixed among sheep am i being controversial yes but what's new well <laughs> but absolutely new. You're, you're, you're right but you also have situations um the houston texans are still trying to find a head coach and and don't get me wrong that that um well i won't use on the air the state of that organization it's bad okay but okay. one of the one of the people that they are considering is josh mccown who played backup quarterback in the nfl for many years he's never coached at any level and they're considering him as one of their head coach positions and yet you have a guy like eric the who's been the offensive coordinator in kansas city who over several years has interviewed for several head coaching positions and not gotten any of them so again 
I wasn't in the room with any of, the, in no, any of these but interviews. Come I don't on, know we've what's been going covering on with sports people. for some time, Brent. Yeah. What what what's your impression? Are, is there issues of? I mean, does skin matter anymore in the NFL? Is there still some old school stuff, or you know, is are we looking at hire the best person? What's really going on here? Because in my opinion, and, and I'm I, I don't mean to talk too much here, but my opinion. Uh, when you have a, a kind of an affirmative action thing and you have to interview so many people, you're, you're already questioning, am I here because they want me or am I here because of the color of my skin? I think it sets us up for failure. Oh, I, I, I think that there's an element of that for sure. But, you know, you look, it, it's a different issue, but you look at the comments um, that we've talked about before of the Golden State Warriors minority owner about really not caring what's happening to the Uyghurs in, <laughs> in China. It's uh, below his line. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, if you come down to it, um, you know, if there's three main corrupting influences in human nature, money, sex, and power, you get somebody that has a lot of one of those things, you're going to have troubles. Most of these, these NFL owners have a lot of all three of those things going on. So you get into those positions and you feel like you can do whatever you want to with the impunity. Regardless of whether okay. that is in, in how you're hiring people, how you treat people once they're there. So I think what we're what we're seeing is is even bigger than racial issues or tanking issues. I think it's it's uh, maybe a calling at calling out of uh, uh, some of these egomaniacs and, and that are running where so I'm many things in support of Flores, because um, if there is any issue, Shine some light on it. Let's talk yeah, about it. it all out. Exactly. Get, that, get that whole treasure trove of emails that, um, uh, shoot, I keep forgetting the guy's name. The Raiders coach that got Tom Gruden. Fired. Gruden um, yeah, John Gruden. John Gruden. So yeah. We know there was a lot more of those emails than John Gruden. Let's, let's see the rest of them. Let's see what all these guys talk about in their back rooms. If you're going to can one yeah. guy, let's, you know, and you got these lawsuits going on and you want to, issue all these denials. Well, let's see the proof of it. What now, are you guys talking about? Something else that uh, Flores mentioned was uh, Kaepernick. See what the NFL did to Kaepernick. And, man, we've been talking about uh, Kaepernick since he first started taking a knee and saying, you know, it is so much more than just politics. So it, was that a fair thing to mention? or Because uh, I think that that dilutes uh, Brian's message, in my opinion, because uh, the Colin Kaepernick issue, Colin Kaepernick is troubled on the field as well as off the field. I mean, no doubt he is an athletic monster and he has some talent, but there's been some issues. Josh, you've been uh, uh, you've been up on that, especially. Yeah, I, I get annoyed when one like Colin Kaepernick, they say like he was the top five person in the league at his position. He, he wasn't. He was really good under Jim Harbaugh, but he was a mm-hmm. system quarterback. His last couple of years before he left the league and decided he like decided to leave the team. They didn't cut him for the record. He was, he was bad, man. Like he was not playing well those years. He played well under a coach that knew how to utilize him. But outside of that, he looked, okay. he looked lost. It was kind of like, uh, like watching Jared Goff almost, you know, <laughs> at times you see Jared Goff look really good, oh. but he's not, you know, he's not this great quarterback. He just has to be used well and used his talents. Well, um, I will say though, in, in this 
situation with Brian Flores, I, I think that he shouldn't have gotten fired. I don't think he deserved that. And something does stink in this situation. I don't know all it was, and we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll have the whole discovery period and all that. I don't, yeah. don't know if it was racism or not, but he didn't deserve to be fired. And I wish that the Seahawks would have reached out to him to be their D coordinator this year. Oh. I would have really liked to see that. No, I, that Floor is a uh, defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Okay, I kind of, I kind of well, like that idea. And you know, you mentioned something um, that Kaepernick played well under Harborough, Harborough. But the Harbaugh. thing is, yeah, thank you. Uh, there's a lot going on here, so you got to excuse me, man. I'm juggling. But here's here's the thing. That's where you have chemistry, and so that's where this is an interesting issue to me because chemistry comes into play. But if chemistry comes down to the color of your skin, then it's weird. Then it's not there. But in sports, again, sports is a place where race and creed and how you vote matters the least because what you want is the w you want to win games so that's where we've seen a great diversity and in the military you see the same thing you know you yeah i don't care as long as that guy has my back next to me i don't care what color skin he has or even if he has purple hair garrick hey thank you very much uh, <laughs> take that hat off show the phone yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> see that i've dyed my hair for those of you who don't know i dyed my hair purple last month um for uh, awareness of domestic violence uh that's the domestic violence awareness color but speaking of color i i really feel like um I, I agree with you, Michelle, in terms of the fact that affirmative action never works. I mean, it, it may work, but it works against you more than it works for you. It works against people of color. Uh, it, you it does. See it. You see it in well, uh, college settings where you just send people and it's like you're setting them up to fail because it's not looking for the best and the person who's the best fit, we're just going to stick you in there. And then you see pe- uh, people of color that fail. Affirmative action just really doesn't work. And then you wonder as a person, you know, Eric, you and I are, are more minorities on this round table. You know, you wonder, am I hired because I'm damn good at what I do? Or am I hired because I check the boxes? You know, that's a, that's a tough position that you're putting people in. So, you know, there's some problems there. Yeah, and, and I, I just feel like, it, it it undermines the very thing that you're trying to achieve. And so it, 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 it's one step forward, but it's two steps back. And what, what I think is going to solve this issue is time because the, there are still time people. And sunlight. In, time and sunlight. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. And I think I, I agree with you that yeah, I, I think the, the lawsuit is good because it will shine some light on some, some things, some and dark hopefully, places. But then with, our, with the way people are today, we have already made our decision. And so what we're looking for in any of the discovery, as Josh was talking about, uh, uh, and the lawsuit, is things to shore up our own opinion. So that's going to be the tough thing, if we can grow as a people and have conversation. Uh, quickly, because there's other things to talk about um, in sports today, um, I wanted to talk about how the Pat, Mad, uh, Mr. Bill Belichick is weighing into all of this controversy. You can't keep him from a good controversy, can you, Josh? 
Uh, yeah, no, you certainly can't. And really quick, I wanted to chime in before I get people too excited about Brian Flores. Uh, the news broke just just a little bit ago here that they're expected expected to elevate uh, Hurt, who is currently a defensive line coach, to their new defensive coordinator position. And the Seahawks. Yeah, for the Seahawks. So I don't think that uh, Brian Flores is well, still an option. From, they obviously from the didn't I'm consult saying. with you first, which was maybe <laughs> I, their I first know. mistake, Josh. <laughs> but Clint Hurt, I mean, what a name for a defensive coordinator, you know? Like, you're going to put yeah. hurt on people. Need to bring so. the pain. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. And, uh, D-line coach, I need more D-line play for our, our Hawks this year. Um, well, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? I had to, I had to break the news. Before okay, the first thing further. I want to say is because I'm getting emails on this. No, this isn't a stein of beer, um, but it is the best coffee I may have ever drank. It's, uh, they're, they're fabulous. They're in the booth next door to me as we broadcast from the Washington Sportsman Show. And it is uh, Camino Island Coffee Roasters, and they are keeping me in this stein the whole sportsman show so yeah that's that's what she's like what's in the stein michelle what's in the stein no josh i wanted to get your uh thoughts on the man who can't seem to stay out of a good controversy and uh that is the coach for the patriots bill belichick oof yeah uh because he, he's weighing in on this too have, have you seen the, the text? <laughs> his text yes i yeah i saw the text i I want to hope that it was an honest, mistake, honest mistake. You know that either he just got the number wrong, or, or maybe, he just happened to he... grab a deflated, give someone a deflated football. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> or or maybe maybe because they both have the same first name. Maybe they told him that you know Bill got the job, and he's like, oh, he obviously means Flores. I mean that's. But there's a little part of me. <clears throat> excuse me. There's a little part of me that thinks this is a very cruel prank in the world of Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I, there's no substantiation to that, but there's a, just a little bit of me that's like, what if he he totally meant to do this? You know, what if he did this all just to be like, hey, you got the job. Oh, sorry, just kidding. Wrong person, <laughs> lol. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was just weird. That that whole thing, that whole text exchange was weird. Yeah. Fill us fill us in for those who don't know about it, uh, Brent. So, so yeah, Bill. So first of all, uh, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores do have a prior relationship because uh, Flores was did coach under Belichick. So, um, Flores was interviewing. Well, was scheduled, yeah, scheduled an interview for the New York Giants head coaching job. And the day before his interview with the Giants, Belichick sends Flores a text saying, hey, I'm hearing you're the guy. Congratulations. Um, and then like a few hours later, he texts there. Well, actually, Flores texts him back, says, are you sure you're texting the right person? And it's like two hours gap. And then. Um, That's going to be a long two hours. That's kind yeah, of like, oh, it's like your doctor like, saying there's a problem. You need to come in and you're waiting for that appointment. What do yeah. you mean? Wait. He texts him back and says, sorry, I effed this up. Um, uh, yeah, it's Brian Dayball they're hiring. And this was the thing was that it was this, the, it was significant and it was really cringy, but it's significant because this text exchange happened before Brian Flory's interview. And so that's what initiated the lawsuit was this, this thought as, you know, evidenced by the text that perhaps the giants had already decided 
I'm Brian Dable, and that this interview was a, a Rooney Rule check the box of the minority candidate when they'd already made up their mind okay, on the other Okay, and guy. let's just be honest. So. Anytime you've ever seen a, a job opening somewhere, I'll, a lot of the times they already have in mind who they want to hire and they go through the process anyway because they have to. I mean, right. I, I, have, have all of us been through that? I mean, Josh, you've been through that. Derek, you've been through I mean, come on, you, you apply for a job. They already have in mind who they want to hire. But, you know, you could wow them. You could change their mind. At least you're in front of them. But, yeah, it's, it happens. Yeah. 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 The, the way that this one rolled out was just kind of funny. Awkward. Just be- because, well, it, the, Brent gave the uh, abbreviated version of it, but, but it, it, the, the way it went, it said, um, hey, sounds like you've landed, congrats. And then he says, did you hear something I didn't hear? And then he says, giants? And he says, well, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a shot at it. And he says, got it. I hear from Buffalo and, and the giants that you're their guy. Hope it works out if you, if you want it to. And he says, that's definitely what I want. I hope you're the, let's see, I hope you're the right coach. Thank you. And then it says, coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or or Brian DeBoyle? Just making sure. And then that's when there's that gap. And he says, sorry, I effed up. I double checked and I missed the text. I think they're naming DeBoyle. (laughs) So I'm sorry about that. (laughs) And then he writes back. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, there's a cute kid here. That's why I always say. That's why I always say, don't ever text anything you wouldn't want read aloud in court. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right. Um, Yeah, I had a friend that said they need to develop an app for tipsy texting. You know, kind of like (laughs) before you drive, you you have to blow into uh, some kind of device. They should have that on on text as well. But I don't know if that would have helped uh, Mr. Bill Belichick. So (laughs) we'll see. Guys, I want to move over to the Olympics. Uh, We're getting up on the beginning of the games and these Olympic games, man, there's problems from front to back. There is a lack of spectators, of course, in in the stands due to COVID. And those who are there are supposedly there's uh, restrictions on cheering. Um, Of course, networks covering it have all of their commentators working outside of the country. What the heck? Really? Um, In Connecticut, um, there's also uh, terrible things that are going on in China uh, with human rights violations and violations where uh, the environment are concerned. I mean, there's just up, down, and everywhere. Uh, but for the most part, uh, athletes are saying, well, you know, we, 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 we just feel like we just want to play. So I guess I, I was talking about this with um, Adam Rizieri for our weekend review, guys. And um, when we look at, at at what's happening there, if we had every every Western country that said, you know what, we're just not going, uh, the IOC would have had to say, okay, you know what, maybe we need to rethink this and put it out a year, you know, but that just didn't happen. So let's, let's take on the Olympics today, Brent. (laughs) Well, I I think right now, anything involving um, the communist party of China, uh, 
is it is is going to be you you either tolerate it or you walk away from it. Um, and I think a lot of what's going on with these athletes are. Um, I, I I don't want to undersell you know what these athletes have had to do to get there in yeah. the first place. You know this you know all that sort of stuff. And it's really because hard. The consensus of the athletes, if you listen to their to them talk about, it, is that you know we we can't the things that happen are horrible. But you know we have to be all about inclusion and we have to be you know talking about uh, coming together and uh, we we can shed light on. No, you can't shed light. There's an app that they have to have that will that will follow them through their tenure there. They will. They, it has <clears throat> words that you're not allowed to say, and they're terribly censored and watched. I mean, and the government of China has already said if you step out of line, you could face persecution, prosecution, uh, imprisonment. So, yep. you know, yeah, it's just going to be a dog <sighs> and pony show. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw that, but Nancy Pelosi uh, spoke on this, and she told— Legibly? <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> mostly. Uh, she said that we should, our athletes should go there because they've dreamed about this, they've prepared for this, but do not speak out against China because they will likely do something to you. Yeah. Like she said, that they're that, fierce that she, and they're scary, so yeah. you shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And, well, uh, it, it is true. I, I mean, it would be really interesting to see if somebody made a big demonstration, you know, somebody who's not a Chinese national. Well, did that, you see what happened that, to, I think it was an Australian reporter. Uh, they, he got grabbed right on the air and yanked away, you know, so. Well, and, yeah, and but, I, but that, I'm saying, are, they, are you going to yank, you know, will somebody get yanked down off the podium? No, but you they, know what they can do? Uh, you know, maybe suddenly they come up testing positive for COVID and they have to be removed and they're no longer able, you know, I don't know. It's China. So, they can do whatever I'm, they so want. I, I, We're heading in that direction. What I'm wondering, though, is like maybe not an American athlete, but from some smaller country that that doesn't have a lot of leverage. If if somebody says or does something, if you have an athlete disappear and Oof. they'll have a whole dog and pony show about, oh, we've got to find this poor person, whatever, when you, and you realize that they actually have likely been quote, disappeared by the CCP. So Well, the rebel in me kind of hopes that it happens with some American, some high-profile American athlete. They, I they would do. love it if, the you know, we see all of these folks who are just okay turning their back on the American flag, the very country and the flag that sent them to the Olympics and paid their way. They're okay taking a knee or turning their back on the American flag. But, you know, if you're not speaking up against the atrocities in China, I don't want to hear from you. Uh, yeah. Hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it is just such a mess because there's so much hypocrisy and it, it's just nauseating to me. Were it not for the Olympians who are actually there, who have worked so hard in their lives, uh, many of them from from the time they were very, very oh, young yeah. to get to the stage of the Olympics, um, I probably wouldn't watch at all. But but for the athletes, I am going to watch um, at least some of it. Yeah, I'm going to be boycotting because um, I I just don't want to give credence to the network, to the sponsors, uh, to the people who are making money and not doing a darn thing. However, I'm with you in this. We've talked a lot on this show about get the politics out of sports. I don't care how you vote. I don't care what your feelings are on things. I go 
to a sporting event to watch sports, right? Not to get preached to. Sorry about that, Pastor. But no, I, I agree I, with I just, you. I just don't want it. So that's where it is a bit of a dichotomy. You know, in the Olympics, I don't want it to be about politics. However, when you are supporting and giving credence to a country with such a horrific record of human rights violations, organ harvesting, children uh, who are enslaved and, and working in work camps, I mean, when you have all of that going on, um, something should be done on, on a larger level outside of the athletes because the athletes should just be able to do their sport. That's just Michelle's take on it. It would be nice. I guess what my thought is, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but if the NBA is not going to stand up to China, if these, you know, if, if our nine figure salaried athletes are not going to stand up to China, I don't see, you know, a, a, a cross country skier who has got no leverage and, mm-hmm. and, and no money yeah. and not the backing of, of, you know, multi-billionaires. I don't see them, you know, in a position to do that. I don't and know. I fine. see them as in more of a position to do that. I think that ah. you see people that have, that have millions and are tied to the million dollar corporations that they have a lot to lose. And a lot of people, they got to keep happy. A lot of these smaller athletes, they don't, they're not beholden to as much. And honestly, probably live more according to real life values than corporate interests. Ooh, there you go. That's food for thought right there. You make a good point. You make a good point. I'm just saying that with that, with that money and influence comes power. Certainly. Yeah, but look at what's happening. And I'll tell you what, uh, you've lost all of my... I don't want to hear about your social justice gobbledygook if you are going to uh, play the hypocrite and we just don't care. It's not on my radar. And I don't want to hear you. You're not on mine any longer. I mean, you really have to take that into consideration. Another issue I wanted to take up is the uh, USA Swimming changed their rules for trans athletes. So uh, that... uh, uh, trickles down into the NCAA. Um, and uh, Caitlin Jenner actually weighed in on this. I'd love to play the sound bite, but being here uh, remote it makes it a little more difficult. Uh, but she, uh, Caitlin Jenner said that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like they've pushed the issue down the road. They've changed the ish, the, it a little bit, and you have to ha- be on hormone suppressors for a little bit longer, blah, blah, blah. And Caitlin said, you know what? I get asked to play in um, in celebrity or uh, women's golf tournaments all the time. I'm still over six feet tall. I'm still, you know... I, I still have the strength that women don't. He's, I don't do that. You know, this is something that we're going to have to address, and I think we've said on this show it would probably be best if we're going to uh, recognize people who have uh, undergone these kind of transformations yeah. that maybe they need to have a category of their own. Well, I didn't hear about the swimming, the swimming ruling. What did they um, – what, what did they – Well, they what basically – 
they basically said that uh, the, the, uh, there's new restrictions in place on male to female transgender athletes due to what the organization calls competitive advantage for male swimmers. But in essence, it is maybe kicking the can down the road uh, because uh, from what I understand, it has to do with how long you've had hormones, uh, suppressants and, and, and things of that nature. So I, I, don't, I still don't think they know what to do with it. I really don't. Yeah, well, it, and it, look, it, it looks like we have Brent. He said that his internet is a little bit uh, yeah. weird, so, yeah. so maybe he'll pop but, in here. But time and time again, it's been proven that males who transition to females have an unfair advantage. And we talk about it all the time on this show, the importance of equity and fairness and, and all these things that that are what makes sports what they are. And whether you're doing steroids or whether you're, um, you know, cheating in some other way. Oh, what a is, good point. Yeah. It's not right and it's not fair. Yeah. You know, if we're, if we're going to be all up in arms about steroids and unfair advantage, what more unfair advantage is there if I'm competing as a woman against a guy who's twice my size and bone density and muscle mass Come on! I don't care how what yeah. how high your heels are, you're still uh, giving an unfair advantage. So um, we'll see how this plays out. But at least, in my opinion, it's a step in the direction of recognizing that women have fought hard for our position in sports, very, very hard. Um, and then to say, hey, well, we're just going to go ahead and let men take over being women too. Come on, get off of it, um, guys. In the interest yeah. of time, I want to get on over to soccer and uh, World Cup really qualifying. Quick, yeah, we have gosh. some more news coming out for Seahawks coaching situation. Oh. Uh, we have former Broncos defensive coordinator Ed Donatel is expected to be joining. He uh, last coached in, I think it was in 2020 uh, for the Bronco, Broncos as their defensive coordinator. He's expected to be joining the staff. We don't know his what position. The other former defensive coordinator for the Bears, Sean Desai, is also expected to join the Seahawks staff. Um, both have been reported as maybe a passing game coordinator or something okay. to that effect. Uh, but I like it. I like if we're going to elevate uh, you know, Clint Hurt to be the defensive coordinator to bring in some guys that have D.C. experience to also be voices with him and be new voices to the team. Uh, I think that's a really good thing. So I just like wanted to it. get that out there really quick. Anyway, go back, back to your soccer thing. Yeah, I wanted to get to you, Garrick, um, because you're our resident soccer guy. Uh, think Some thoughts on, uh, on qualifying, World Cup qualifying games. Well, um, it, Mexico drew to um, – oh, wait. Me- Mexico just – hang on. What what was the the latest game just this week? I'm okay. sorry, I. Um, You're slowing down I, there. <laughs> Someone wind Eric back up, wind him up again. Mexico beat Panama one nil um, on Wednesday. Canada beat El Salvador, and um, of course the U.S. beat Honduras three nil. And so I, I think things are pretty much going the way that you would expect them to go. This is in, in CONCACAF. Um, uh, you know, the, the U.S. is looking strong, and, and you know, there was some, 
some comments last week when we played El Salvador that that we need to score more, and so a three zero victory against Honduras this week was was quite good. So yeah, yeah, we, um, we did we did some great scoring in the last game. Um, it's funny. So what did following... you think about playing? What did you think about playing Honduras in like Minnesota in the middle of winter? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. We, um, little, we really need to have that kind of a home. Yeah. <laughs> So then we really need that with Honduras. <laughs> right, exactly. But, um, you know, one, one thing we've been following, uh, especially on social media from people, is that uh, our MLS guys on the uh, U.S. team, U.S. men's national team, just can't get any kudos. You know, it's it's like MLS is still the redhead stepchild of uh, all soccer, and you can't get any uh praise for Christian Roldan or uh, Jordan Morris, who, by the way, also are Seattle Sounders. You, you just can't get that. Um, and and I, I get that. We've been, we've been talking about uh, off-air some of the uh, dynamics there. I don't think Christian is, needs to be there as a forward. He has strengths in other areas. But um, the team is really young. It is really young. And I think they're doing a good run. For the age of the group, what say you guys? Not a lot, huh? No, okay. go ahead. I was going to let someone else have a chance to speak. <laughs> but That's okay. I, I mean, I think they're doing really well to be as young as they are. Um, and and they, they've really proven themselves to, to be able to have. And one of, the, one of the biggest strengths of our national team is the um, – is is the the depth that we have? Um, there there are okay. a lot of he's we given a, a lot end. of players. He's given a lot of players an opportunity, um, and and so I, I think that has has really helped um, us in terms of developing those players, giving them an opportunity to get out there and and to be seen. And so um, so I, I just feel like there's uh, there's a and things are gonna tighten down and if I was coaching they, they'll tighten down as we get closer to the cup and and we'll land on on the players who are producing and right. and and making it happen and so I think going into things right now I I I, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't uh be cri- one who's critical of, of the way that things are looking right now okay I like it guys it's time for our final shot where we go around the round table just give a final shout out to an idea something whatever is on your little heart we uh, usually have a groovy sound bite but we're not going to do it today because we are broadcasting live from the Washington <laughs> Sportsman Show yeah Michelle has enough buttons and things to juggle in front of her as it is thank you very much uh, let's go to Josh what's your final shot my friend yeah, my final shot is, come on, bring baseball back. Jeff Passan, uh, as we know him locally, the wet blanket, um, he did give us a new report today. Um, he apparently, Major League Baseball yesterday, requested immediate assistance of, the, of a federal mediator to help resolve the sports lockout, and that was told to ESPN. That's, to me, bad news and good news. It's bad news that they need to bring in a mediator. Well, the union declined it. The you need to find it. They declined the, the mediator. They did. Yes. Yeah. Oh my today, god. Like well, a, little while, a little while ago today. Not even good. All right. No, well, hopefully, good. <laughs> the, the good news is is that they are actually talking. I mean, it seemed like 
up until I think last week, we weren't getting news of them even meeting. So they're meeting and they're working through things. We'll see how it gets. I'm hoping there's no spring training delay. Uh, honestly, the closer we get, the more the pressure is on the owners, in my opinion. I think most of the players are fine sitting out a season. We've seen it before. They're sa- fine sitting out as long as they need to in order to get get what they think they need. Not that I think they're going to sit out for 100% of their wants. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm needing baseball ASAP. All right? I'm <laughs> losing it. I'm going to lose my mind here. I need my baseball. Or I'm going to start talking to you guys about Marble Run again. Okay, well, <laughs> someone so wants to go over the there get it figured out. Play catch. I don't know. <laughs> Brent, final shot. Well, yeah, I, I, hate to, I hate to do this with the Rams again, but uh, even though I think they're going to lose the Super Bowl. However, you know, I – in the game last Sunday, I started noticing Eric Weddle starting to make, you know, making tackles for them. I was like, Eric Weddle, is that the same guy? I thought he was retired. So there was a story today that came out um, in Sports Illustrated that, yes, he actually was retired for two years. And at the end of the regular season, their secondary was so depleted, um, he still lives in the L.A. area, that they, they called him up and said, hey, uh, you good for like 10 or 15 plays? Um, I think he played in their last regular season game. So now he's like their leading tackler the last two games in the playoff. He's 37-year-old, free safety, and then retired for two years, um, you know, still working out, but had no intention of coming back and playing football. But he still had a lot of friends on the team, and they said, hey, we need you. So he's not going to play next year, but he just, <laughs> here he is, comes back, uh, fills in in the playoffs, and now he gets to play in the Super Bowl. So I like it. I uh, like it. Okay. Cool. Your final shot. And your final shot, Garrick Payne. My final shot goes to a former coach of mine, actually, who just had a birthday on Wednesday. Happy um, birthday actually, yesterday, to you. Yesterday was his birthday. Um, and he is the second winningest all-time collegiate coach with 597 wins. Uh, he coached wow. the Seattle Pacific Falcons for 37 years. Um, and so Uncle Nubby, as he's affectionately known by the kids who went to his soccer camp up on Whidbey Island, and uh, our Seattle Pacific Falcons uh, soccer coach, Cliff McCrath. Happy birthday, Cliff, and you get my final shot. I like it. So my yeah, final shot today is going to go out to someone I interviewed yesterday. His name's Ryan Cadwell, and um, he is with uh, Got Your Six. Uh, they are a a guide service for veterans and first responders. And, man, I, I so enjoyed that interview yesterday. Um, and there are folks who are making a difference. We have the freedom to talk about sports. I love sports. We have the freedom to talk about sports. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm a woman. You know, in a lot of countries in the world, I would not only not be able to play sports, but talk about it to have my own show to talk sports. That's because we live in freedom, but that freedom is not free. Someone paid a price for it. Our veterans pay a price. There are veterans who take their lives, their own lives every day. Uh, The amount of stress and strain uh, in protecting our freedoms takes its toll. 
And so for uh, Got Your Six um, Fishing and for folks who take the time to make a difference to bring healing to those heroes, man, you have got my final shot. Uh, guys, thank you for joining us today. If you want more information on uh, Got Your Six and how to give, you can go to MyMichelleLive.com. We'll have that up in a couple of days because I'm, I'm here. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for uh, having my back today because uh, it's broadcasting from uh, remote and I don't have a, a staff here. So I'm kind of undoing the little juggling thing today. So I appreciate you guys. You have my back. You did a great job, Michelle. As always. Hey, it's, good. it's good having you guys. We will catch you next week. This has been Sports Time Out. Uh, it's part of My Michelle Live. Of course, you like us. You share us. Uh, you can find us anywhere you hear podcasts, and you could go to MyMichelleLive.com. Yes, we talk sports, but we look for a deeper story. We call it the God story uh, because there is a God. He is good, and every story has a deeper, something deeper that you can find, and we talk about here on My Michelle Live. Thanks, guys. You have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks, Michelle. Fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com. Hey, thank you guys. Right. Much appreciated. Yeah. Let me yeah, I think the Chinese carved me this party cut off my internet, so I just <laughs>